Thanks, Lucas. Uh, I don't have a great intro today. When I'm not anxious for the Super Bowl, I'm Lucas Whitney, uh, joined by Carter and Spartanog guys. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk some football to start and the February funk that basketball's in, but um, I'll let you guys go for it first. I'll let you take the lead. Yeah, so just a couple football things uh, right off the bat. First things first, uh, you know, the what well, I think we all kind of saw this coming. The game against uh, the game against Western Michigan has been moved up to that Friday, September second. Um, I don't know how I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm a big fan of the Friday opener, just because you know that first Saturday is like so special, and you know I don't really feel like I, I feel like I have to dedicate the entire window MSU is playing to watching them beat up on a team. So to be able to get that out of the way Friday and then spend all day Saturday with just four TVs, just watching as much college football as I can. Like I'm fucking, uh, like I'm Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind. You're, you're Randy Marsh playing heroin hero. Exactly. That's exactly how I am. You never catch the dragon. (laughs) No, I never catch him. I never managed to catch him. I, I, my only comment on the, the football stuff is, yes, I'm happy it's a Friday night game so I could take the day off of work and come up and tailgate. But I would love to see the lots open early, like earlier than it probably going to be 1 o'clock. 7 a.m. It needs to be 7. 7 a.m. What are the students doing? The students are doing shit. It's syllabus week. They're Who partying? fucking yeah. cares? Who fucking cares? Yeah. If you have class on Friday at Michigan State, you're a fucking loser or a freshman. <laughs> But what's the difference? Uh, <laughs> Folks. <laughs> good old, good old upperclassmen humor, upperclassmen alumni humor for you. Yeah, uh, by other, that point, I'll, by that point, I'll be an uh, alumni too, alum, alumnus. Alum, yeah, alumnus, alumni, whatever. Um, also, uh, Marco Coleman was officially announced. As the um, as the defensive line coach and the run game coordinator, so you know we have Brandon Jordan. Um, he he's more of a specialized role, right? He he's specifically going after pass rushers and coaching the pass rush aspect of the defensive line. And I think people just go, well, what more is there, right? The you know the troglodytes like. I was two years ago, even though I played on the defensive line and knew some of the intricacies of the defensive line. There's a lot more to that. And you need a coach who's able to teach that. And Marco Coleman teaches that very well. Uh, you know, he was a legend at Georgia Tech, part of their 1990 national championship team, uh, legend of both field and screen, yeah. as he was in <laughs> Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Uh, so, you know, just... Maybe we can get maybe we can get Jim Carrey out to the out oh, to man. game. <laughs> Honorary homecoming captain Jim Carrey. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> uh, you know, we can talk about how he thinks he's Jesus or whatever. I'll listen. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know, I think it's great that Tucker is going after guys who who have NFL experience. Cause I think when I think when you're in a living room, that's what that's what kids and parents want to hear right? That you don't have some crusty old guy who like you're friends with back in the day and played it and played at army in the seventies. Right. 
they want guys who know the in and outs of not only modern football, but you know, how to make it in this modern, how to make it in the modern football age. Yeah. It, it's also, it's also a nice, I'm not saying it, I'm not trying to be like the Simpsons did it from South Park, but D'Antonio wouldn't do that. It's just oh. another thing for like, you know, if, if a game goes wrong, they're going to suddenly blame these guys for, for something. The boomers, yeah. the old Antonio boomers. Yeah. And the thing about Marco Coleman is he also went to Georgia Tech. He played at Georgia Tech. And then he spent, I think it was like, he went back to, you know, be the, the defensive line coach there. So Tucker pulled this guy away from his alma mater. And that really shows you, you know, his ability to, I mean, I think it kind of shows like a, a, a an umbrella effect of his recruiting because clearly it, it if you were able to pull this guy away from pretty much his home to come, you know, be a part of your vision, that that means something. It's it's very forward thinking. It, it's the same thing, you know, just guys believing in Tucker's vision. You know, he brought on Brandon Jordan. I believe Brandon Jordan turned down a bunch of other like coaching jobs and he, and then he took the one with Tucker. So. It's clear guys are getting behind him. He's truly building something, you know, this forward thinking of football. Uh, I'm super excited for when the new facilities come in. Like that's going to like right now we are like, we are third tier, terrible, you know, low, low maintenance type of, of, of football facilities. When we get actual facilities, that's, you know, that's going to be game changer. Yeah. yeah and, and I think, and the facilities have come for a long time. Like one of the things D'Antonio has admitted to towards the end of his tenure that he regrets is that he wasn't fundraising enough to improve the facilities, right? Like he was just kind of, he, he admitted that at least on that front, he was coasting, right? So I think having this big infusion of, of you know, donor money to kind of to catch up with with the rest of the country combined with the on-field success and having these coaches who are experienced NFL who who are coaching guys in the NFL as well as kind of having uh, as well as just kind of being on the forefront of NIL right all that stuff matters so that's that's going to be huge going forward right it's going to it, it already puts us ahead of so many like established power programs that were, that were, that were able, that were able to do this stuff. Right. Like Alabama has always paid players. So like, this is nothing new to them. It's just, it's just like now they have to file a 1099 versus like just handing everyone money in duffel bags. Right. So it's like, another- more, it's more paperwork. And it's like another thing, what you said, like when it comes to recruiting, it's like what you said at SD a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when, when, when Brandon Jordan got hired, you said, give the, give the kids or their parents their phone and tell them to go through the contact list. It's, it's the same thing with Marco Coleman because he's got NFL guys who can vouch for it. So that, that matters. Like it's kind of more of a, it's, it's the staff that Tucker has built is very clearly, you know, fixated on getting guys to the professional level. Whereas I don't think that that was such a strong, strong focal point with the D'Antonio crew, because remember how NFL scouts have had talked so uh, like negatively about D'Antonio's tenure because of the fact that they shut them out of the facilities. They didn't want them in there. 
that whole thing. But but Tucker opened the doors. He kind of revitalized the image with NFL scouts of Michigan State. Uh, so that's going to help, you know, with with guys coming for pro days, getting more combine invites, and then that that in turn will help with recruiting. So this is just such an important move. These are such important moves for the current success of Michigan State and the players at the next level. Right, absolutely. And you know, as you know, as we kind of as we kind of reach the the end, um, you know, even though you know, it's not, even though it's clear that, you know, there's still more in the tank for him, but, you know, as we kind of, as Saban kind of approaches the, approaches that kind of, that kind of end of his career, that, that Joe Pa, Bobby Bowden stage, right, of his career where, you know, I don't think he's ever going to coast quite like Bowden and Paterno did. I think he's still going to compete and be very successful and try to innovate. But just as Saban kind of, kind of approaches, you know, kind of his, his golden years, right? Uh, it's going to be important that, that the programs who hope to take his place um, are legitimate contenders to the throne and the hires that Tucker has made and the money that's being put in the facilities and the innovation that's being made on NIL are going to put Michigan state in a great position to be, to be there, you know, kind of to be there, not only in the present, but in the future, right? This is not only right. It's obvious Tucker didn't come here to just like put band-aids over bullet holes and then dip for a quote unquote better job, right? He's here. He's here to build a behemoth and these moves prove that he wants to, he wants to build a behemoth. He wants to be, he wants to be the premier football program in the Midwest. And you have to unseat and you have to unseat Ohio state to do that. But you know, we're making good progress. It's not going to happen next season, but in the future, who knows? Um, Speaking of down South in Alabama uh, guys, have you, have you been paying attention to this Brian Harson thing? Have you no. seen this? Have you heard about this? Have you seen it? Folks, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I was going to say, not really. Uh, so, so basically, <laughs> here's the situation. Uh, Brian Harson um, is the is the now is in his second year as the head coach of Auburn. Um, as we know, Gus Malzahn and Auburn had a very public breakup, and they're paying Gus Malzahn a very hefty buyout for him to go fuck around in Orlando or whatever he's doing at UCF. I mean, I don't really pay attention to, to American football, uh, American conference football or whatever they're called now. Um, so basically everyone knows the story with Auburn, right? Start out red hot. They, they, beat, Al- they beat LSU in Baton Rouge, which like not a big accomplishment, but that's the first time, that's the first time Auburn's done that in 21 years. They beat number 10 Ole Miss in Oxford, big deal. They're number 13 in the in the playoff rankings, right? Then shit starts to go off the rails. They get smacked around by Mississippi State. Bo Nix gets hurt. He fired Harson fires the offensive coordinator and takes on play caller duties. They stumble, right? Before the Music City Bowl, he says something along the lines of whoever the next offensive coordinator is, I'm probably not giving up play calling duties. Right? Kids start to enter the portal. Guys start talking shit. 
about him in Twitter spaces and on Instagram lives and all that stuff. The board, the Auburn Board of Trustees, famous for their wait and see approach to football coaches. Uh, there's heavy sarcasm there, in case, in case you guys didn't catch it. Um, are, are looking, are looking to, are looking to fire him, but his buyouts, like his buyouts, like twelve million dollars, on top of like the eighteen they're already paying Malzahn, right? And then if they want to hire another coach, they're going to want a guy who's got a big buyout tag at another school. So they're looking, they're staring down the barrel of paying three buyouts. What do the boosters do? They find out he's been fucking a grad assistant. So they blow his life up, right? Um, In his defense, the grad assistant, fucking smoke show. She's hot. She's very hot. I kind of feel like the cops at South Park, but uh, Kyle tells them Ike's fucking nice. Sister. Nice. <laughs> I'm looking. We at gotta something. fight. Yeah, we gotta find this kid and get him the luckiest boy in the world award. <laughs> Damn it! How come these teachers weren't having sex with me when I was in school? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so here's the latest, right? Uh, they're trying to find ways to fire Brian Harson for a call. Right, they don't want to pay his buyout. They want him gone, but they don't want to pay his buyout. So they're trying to fire him for cause. Right now, yet as of yesterday, Brian Harrison was on vacation in Mexico. It was a planned vacation, uh, kind of a post signing day vacation um, that he and the coaching staff are taking, not together. They're all going separate places. Um, but Harrison and his family are in Mexico. Uh, basically, the Auburn Board of Trustees. Uh, passes a new resolution that says um, you have to comply with all investigation, with all requirements of investigations into your employment status. Otherwise, you will face disciplinary action. Passed February 8th, 2022, yesterday. Basically, what this does is it says, if you don't get back to Auburn right now, you're fired and we have cause to fire you and not pay you. So Brian Harson returned to Auburn today. It's a massive shit show, a massive, massive shit show that can only happen in the SEC. It can really only happen at Auburn. It's very funny. Wow. Kind of put shoe watch to shame. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's you the worst thought, thing we had to deal with. Oh, man. Yeah, you thought shoe watch was wild? Imagine... Imagine your imagine your defensive coordinator taking a job at Oklahoma State and taking a four hundred thousand dollar pay cut. He took a lateral move and a pay cut to get away from Brian Harson. That, that like, says it all right there. And they're making and the board of trustees is making up rules as they go to try to fire him. It's it's uh I, this 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 meme has this uh this has been used a lot when talking about the situation, but it's like. Uh, it's like in the office when Toby comes back. He goes, I can't fire him. We can't fire him without cause, Michael. Well, I do have cause. It is because I hate him. Does he say yep. he's like a rapist or something? Yeah, yeah, he's a rapist. <laughs> so yeah, Brian Harson is fucking grad assistants. I mean, it reminds me immediately of um, Bobby Petrino. Yeah, it's just what I was going to say. Oh, very, very Bobby funny. Petrino vibes. I saw the meme. It was like 
Brian Harrison is going to show up to like his press conference, his, his, his termination press conference with the, with the neck brace on. <laughs> All this stuff is very funny. Um, so yeah, I guess we can't delay it any longer. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about hoops. Yeah. I'll let you guys take the lead. I guess we can just go in chronological order, Carter. Um, <laughs> For those who Saturday, can't. Saturday at Rutgers. What a shitty fucking birthday present for me and our good oh. friend Spartan and our good friend Spartan Ryan. Uh, what the fuck? It just they 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 all they all looked hungover. Every single one of them played like they were like they were like they were deathly hungover. That's really all I have to say about this game. They everyone played like shit. Gabe had a decent perform. Gabe is the only person who like legitimately tried. Mm-hmm. Everyone else looked like fucking shit on Saturday. And, yeah. Go go ahead, Carter. Go ahead. I mean, it's it's I'm so annoyed about the fact that this has just become a pattern that they've just come out so flat. And they and they get completely out toughed, out rebounded, out shot, out coached, whatever, whatever out verbiage you want to use. That happened to them. It happened to them against Rutgers, and it happened to them on uh, yesterday. I mean, we'll talk about that too. But I mean, they did look completely hungover. They looked like they hit every bar in the damn city of Piscataway. And I think that it's just become an unfortunate pattern. To me, what I saw from that game is they were very indecisive on offense, just, you know, nobody, there's nobody on this team really that wants to create, that wants to put their head down and make something happen. Like we see it sometimes with Malik Hall, but it's just not consistent enough. Like it wasn't consistent in this game. Christie has been off for a little while. It's just the scoring is off. And then the defense was just inexplicable. And I think it really was just because of offensive rebounding. It's not there, you know, it's just Rutgers out rebounding them. And then, Rutgers, a team that was one of the worst shooting teams in the Big Ten and in the nation, shot like 60% from three against them or something. So it's just like, why? You know, I think it's just a lack of defensive intensity. It's a lack of intensity on both sides. And it led to a game you kind of needed. It's You know, we we said last week that it was not going to be easy by any stretch going to the rack, and it wasn't. And and then it ended up just being an absolute ass-kicking, so – that's that's just disappointing. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I like I don't really have much more to say, right? It's just you kind of just want to throw this game in the trash and just forget about it, right? Uh, forget about it. Like it's a jersey from Jersey. Just eat some gabagool, eat some gabagool, go to the bing, and just kind of get over it. I was watching that first half, and I'm like, okay, you know, we're hanging with them, and they were shooting, what, 62% in the first half, and I'm just sitting there going, okay, this isn't sustainable, and it just turn up the Ron, Ron Howard. Uh, I'm like, I fucked this. I turned it off when they were down, like, 18 points. I'm like, I'm not subjecting myself to this. This shit's Ron Howard, uh Ron Howard, the rest of development narrator voice. It actually was sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> Narrator, it was sustainable. It, 
Yeah, and then yeah, that, that was that was just bad. I thought we were going to win that game, you know, because we had some momentum. I thought we had some good momentum at halftime, but then Geo Baker and all those guys who need a job just kept coming at us, and it was just it's disheartening to see. And this, yeah, we'll keep going. Um, I've got my thoughts for after the Wisconsin game. No, in the in, uh, I believe Carter, you called Rutgers. Uh, first team, the first team all indeed squad, the first yeah. team all indeed.com squad. Uh, yeah, I, think I mean, that's pretty accurate. I mean, Ron Harper, Geo Baker, Caleb McConnell, all those guys have been there for swear as long as I can remember. <laughs> well, and when I heard Geo Baker, I'm like, wait, I thought he fucking graduated. Sure, he's been playing since like 2016, but geez. And then, <laughs> oh. I, here's the thing, here's the thing, so I guess we can just, I, let's go game specific first, and then I have some bigger picture stuff I want to bring up, um, you know, it, it's a bad sign from your team in the hat, in the offensive half court. When your point guard can be at the top of the key with the ball, and your and their defender is inside the is inside the free throw circle with his hand down, that is not a good sign for your. That is not that is not healthy for your basketball team. And I guess we'll just start there. Um, this was the worst game I've seen Tyson Walker play this season. It, hands down. I mean, you know, we have our normal, um, you know, we have our, you know, we Michigan State basketball fans, we have our, you know, we established scapegoats pretty early. I feel like, um, you know, Hauser has played his way out of scapegoat status. I think even last night, um, people were, were kind of, were kind of critical of him, but I, you know, I don't think last night erases the last six games he's played. Um, I don't think that erases the kind of positive strides he made in the last six games. I'm not ready to kind of go back to go back to being mean to him on Twitter or whatever, just because just because, because no one on the team played that well, if we're being honest. I mean, the only guy who the the only guy who looked like he wanted to be there last night was Malik Harkin. But it so that's frustrating, right? Because I can excuse I I'm okay with getting outshot, right? Teams are just going to get hot, right? It, it's college basketball; it's not the NBA, right? You can play perfect defense, and then some asshole is just going to some assholes just going to score 30 points because they're just going to score 30 points. Right. Especially in the big 10, when you get fouled for, uh, when you get fouled for, when you get fouled for having that, for having half a chub when going up to defend a shot. I mean, so that's whatever I can live with people. I can live with just getting out shot. Right. I can't, live with poor rebounding intensity. I, I can't live with lazy passing. 
And I can't live with point guards passing up shots. Those are things that you should not be comfortable doing with this. You should be comfortable doing, especially in a Tom Izzo offense, right? And to go back to the point guard at the, at the three, right? There are multiple points last night where Tyson Walker or AJ Hogard would have the ball and they would pass or start to drive. And I thought to myself, Cassius would have taken that shot. Right. And, and like, I don't know, is it unfair to compare these guys to Cassius Winston? Personally, probably. Right. But just because they're not Cassius Winston doesn't mean they can't shoot the ball when they're wide open. Right. And it's just, it's just so frustrating to watch a, a, 16 point score just pass it into traffic when he had pass up an open shot and make a cross court pass into traffic or dribble the ball off his foot and turn it over. It it's just, it's unacceptable at this point. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say on my end. All I have left are kind of bigger picture issues I have with this team, but you know, fuck, man. That was brutal. That was a brutal game to watch. It was. And I'm going to save this take for later. I'm going to, I'm going to go deeper into this take for later and I'm going to get crucified for it, both by you guys and anyone in the chat who listens to the podcast, the chat that doesn't exist. Uh, I'm getting real 2018-19 MSU vibes, football vibes from Izzo right now. It's getting it's getting really close to that for me, closer than I'd like to admit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To your point about Tyson Walker, yeah, I'm I I've had it up to here with him because what you said about Tyson Walker having his worst game of his MSU career. I feel like we come on the podcast every week and have said that about every game he's played in the last like three or four weeks. And I'm just thinking, okay, it's just a, you know, okay. It's just a mental thing. He'll get acclimated to the big 10 schedule and he'll start to, you know, calm down a little bit. His, whatever's worrying him in his brain will, will go away as, as he gets more into a rhythm and it just hasn't happened. I thought it would be like a slump, like a phase, but it's just become a complete theme with him. And it's, and it's insane. He is scared to shoot the ball. He overthinks. He doesn't engage himself when he's dribbling. Like the play last night where he's just dribbling and there's probably like three Rutgers defenders and he hits the fucking nitro and just slams right into them and dribbles the ball off his foot and it's a turnover. I, I don't understand. Like we thought that having Tyson Walker – this year would kind of stabilize that point guard position. And it did for a while. And now it hasn't because the, the problems like the glaring issues that were with him have become so much more magnified now, just because of the fact that they're, they've started to drop some games. I mean, they lost to Illinois. They won a game against Maryland by two in a game that you were winning, but you blew. And then you get, smacked around by Rutgers and he gets smacked around by Wisconsin. Uh, and that's, you know, that's where these issues start to become a little bit bigger and a little bit more 
more, I don't know, just kind of more in, in focus. And my whole thing is it's just this team doesn't have anyone with any heart. Like I'm going to use a terrible cliche, but there aren't any Spartan dogs on this team. I think Malik Hall is the only one. Like Marcus Bingham and Gabe Brown are decently talented players, but they don't have that, you know, intangible aspect of, of what you want from a Tom Izzo senior. They just don't have that. I think Malik Hall does. And I don't think there's anybody else that really does. Like last night in the game, I saw so many moments where there were open shots that they pump faked and then started to drive but stopped. So if you're pump faking, you have to fully commit to driving that ball to the basket. And they didn't. It's just – and uh, that's what I mean. The, the indecisiveness is, is baffling. So – yeah, I have big picture stuff too, but if you want to get into yours right now. So, Lucas, I I don't know if you watched the game last night. You told us to take the lead. So, um, if you have any thoughts, feel free to share them now before 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 Carter and I kind of talk bigger picture. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little nervous. You know, it, it's the February funk that we, you know, the seasoned veteran MSU fans are used to, but this does feel a little different. Um, we play Indiana next, right? Yeah, yep. I'm going to that game. So we'll see how that goes. If we don't win that one, then I think it's time to hit the panic button. That that's might be just a little premature still, but like that that means you lost what four of six or no three of five. Three of five, yeah. Three of five against a team that you should beat in Indiana who can pull off an upset. So um maybe panic button is a bit premature, but that's when the nerves, that's when you start to get really nervous, in my opinion. I'm done. And, and, and here's, here's some of my bigger picture concerns, right? MSU, this is from, this is from our friend, uh, this is from our friends at Spartan Hoops, TK and, and Soldier. Uh, MSU brought out 24 different rotation, different player combinations last night, 24. That is a fucking lot. That is so much. Holy shit. 24 different lineup, 24 different lineup combinations. At this point, you shouldn't be doing that. No, you shouldn't be doing that. You should know who you're, and they had this problem last year, but it was a problem of necessity. Not a problem of, not a problem of like just bad rotation. You know who the eight guys are, right? For better or worse, the eight guys are Tyson Walker, Max Christie, uh, Joey Hauser, Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, Malik Hall, AJ Hogard, and Jay Nakins. Those are your eight. Play those eight. Don't worry about anyone else. Pierre, I'm sorry. Your time will come. Julius, stop fucking getting lost on ball screens and maybe you can work your way into the fucking rotation. Madi, I'm sorry. You still have some growing up to do. These are your eight guys. Play these eight guys. Enough. Enough fucking around with the rotations. The thing that worries me most not only about the present, but about the future of Michigan State basketball, is the guy in charge of rotations is essentially head coach in waiting. So you look at the poor decision-making he has in these rotations and Izzo's refusal to take control and 
figure out how to better manage how to better manage the in-game strategy is what leads me to believe that we're headed towards an end of career D'Antonio situation. Ooh. Hmm. What else am I to think? I mean, there are there are eight guys that are clearly, clearly the guys, the guys who the guys who should be playing the most. And yeah, it sucks that one of those guys is Tyson Walker. But goddamn, figure it out. If Marcus picks up two fouls, go small. Who cares? Let Kofi or Dick and Balls, whoever, eat in the post and don't give up anything else. Two is less than three. Yeah. If you can't play Marcus Bingham 35 minutes in this season, maybe it's not so much on Marcus Bingham as it is on you guys, as it is on the staff. If Marcus Bingham is a senior and still can't break 30 minutes, then maybe there's a developmental issue going on and you need to go talk to Amber Riston about how you guys can better can better manage off-season development. Oof. Thinking that this is just the regular February funk that MSU basketball always gets into and they'll play their way out of it. And, you know, this fan base can't handle adversity and everyone's melting down over nothing. There are bigger structural issues at play here. That's toxic positivity thinking MSU, thinking this MSU team is going to play its way out of this. Because you know what the difference is between this MSU team and MSU teams of the past? The only player who gives a fuck on a regular basis isn't even the first guy off the fucking bench. That's that was also that was pretty much my uh, my bigger picture thing is that you know people are like oh yeah it's just the regular February slump they'll drop a couple you know it'll be oh it'll be a you know a two or three game losing streak but there there are pretty fundamental patterns that we've seen over the last couple of years. Uh, that haven't been fixed. And I, you know, since Cassius has been gone, there hasn't been that consistent point guard play. There's still not. Rebounding is a new one. Like, that's never been a thing. We just don't have anybody who was willing to rebound. I swear Wisconsin had probably just, like, a lot of uncontested rebounds last night. And then the, the offensive inconsistency is something that I've seen over the last couple of years. And I think that starts at the one. You know, having somebody who knows what they're supposed to be doing and where they're supposed to be going and where other guys are supposed to be going on the floor, you don't have that. And that's kind of where that comes from. And I know that Izzo has recruited, you know, point guards recently floor in general. order to do the floor, the floor general. I love that. <laughs> He's recruited guys to do that recently. And I, I definitely agree that there's a toxic positivity that it's like, oh, yeah everything is going to be fine because it's been fine in the past, but things are different now. It's really not the same. So we have to adjust. Those teams was, had cash. Fine. Those teams had cash as Winston. Those and Xavier Tillman, somebody who had a Tillman. dog in him. He fought, he defended, he rebounded. We don't have that from big man spot this year. And it's frustrating. Those teams, those teams had Gary Harris and Adrian Payne. Those teams had Draymond Green. He's this team does not have those guys. The closest is Malik Hall. And like I said, he's not even the first fucking guy off the bench. It's AJ Hogard because you don't, 
because Tyson Walker doesn't do fucking shit. Just start AJ. What's so hard to understand? Start AJ. And I said... If Gabe's going to stand in the corner and disappear and sulk because his shot's not working, start Malik. It's not that fucking hard. Yeah. And I think I think that I kind of totally forgot where I was going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally forgot where I was going. My, my train of thought. I mean AJ's kind oh, of yeah, fucking just... AJ's a fucking idiot sometimes. Yeah. But at least but at least he plays. At least hard. he tries to push, he tries to make something happen. So at right. least there's that. It's something. Okay, what also what I was saying is like I think it doesn't necessarily matter as much who starts but who closes, but I don't think they figured that out either. Clearly. All they know is all they know is they want Malik Hall in the game. The other four is different on a night-to-night basis. I think they've closed small a lot recently. Like they've kept Hauser and, and Hall out there. I I legitimately, I legitimately want to know. I legitimately want to know how much worse Keon Keon Coleman could be running running the offense than Tyson Walker. Like how how much worse could it possibly get? He'd also probably try to make things happen. Yeah. Keon Coleman makes shit happen, right? The guy's the guy was there for three weeks and diced up a five-star recruit. It just do something. Do something. Figure right? it out. You've and if you're summer. gonna let, and if you're not only gonna like not getting Dwayne Stevens' ass about the rotation, because it's not all the players. This is mostly on the staff. These problems are very much on the state. It's 70 30 staff versus staff versus players. I want to make that very clear. We better, we better break and then we can come back and wrap this up. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry, folks. I'm a little cheap. Uh, I don't pay for zoom anymore. So we got a break every uh, 35, 40 minutes. Um, Hopefully I didn't ruin the momentum, you know, I kind of did a chunky, so we'll see if we can. Uh, you pulled a Tyson Walker. You just absolutely killed. You killed. You killed all the. You killed all the momentum I had. Um, you, you dribbled it off your foot, had to scramble for it, and then threw it forty feet over Hauser's head. It just. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I don't know. Like I understand you need to substitute. I understand you need to substitute big in there. Right for when Bingham needs a blow or he gets in foul trouble, but like again, this is on you for not developing any of the bigs behind him. Right, Marble is a cooked product. I'm sorry. At this point, Julius Marble is who he is. If you're still getting lost, if you're still getting lost on pick and rolls in your junior year in college. You're going to go pro in something other than sports. It, Matty, Matty Sissoko still plays, uh, still plays like he's got, a, like he's got fucking Remy from Ratatouille controlling his hair. And he leaves uh, before post-credit scenes in Marvel movies. So clearly his judgment is, is <laughs> very poor. <laughs> That's right. 
What one did you see him at? I forgot. It was Spider-Man No Way Home. I see this like very tall person next to me. I'm like, oh shit. And then I see him. It's it's very hard to mistake him even in a dark theater as he's getting up and leaving. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm like, where are you going, dude? <laughs> the best almost the best part of the movie's gonna happen. Get back here, man. Yeah. I this, this is mostly on the staff. This is yeah, mostly so. on the staff and in the future. In the future, it thank God for Alan Holler because it, I think Alan Holler would be is going to be would be able to stand up to Izzo and go. I don't think Stevens is the guy. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that if it's Stevens, like no, you know, no disrespect to Stevens or whatever, because he's done a really wonderful job here as an assistant. He's he's stuck with Izzo for a really long time. I think that if he's the head coach in waiting and if he eventually does take over, I think that by Michigan State standards, it's going to be an incredibly underwhelming hire. And I think that they're going to be pretty mediocre because of it. Because I don't think a lot of the, the fundamental things that need to change will change. I think that, you know, Izzo will just hand him, you know, the keys, the playbook, all the things that he did, and nothing will change. You know, I, I just don't – I think that that is what would happen. But I think if you hire someone like Drew Valentine, someone younger with a lot more energy, a little bit more personality, things are going to change. You know, I think that he can draw up some new some new offensive playbooks. I think he'll do, you know, a, a little bit – not to say Izzo's recruiting has been bad, but he's he hasn't – taken advantage of the portal. Uh, he's kind of sat on his hands for the rest of 2022. Uh, I think that, you know, I think that there'll be a different uh, recruiting philosophy with Drew Valentine. And I think that it'll be one that is maybe a little bit more modern, I guess. So, yeah, I, I, I just feel like I would be less than inspired by the promotion of Dwayne Stevens head coach. You know what I mean? We, we've seen what happens at this school when loyalty is rewarded above all else. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. When, and when loyalty is the only thing you give a fuck about, bad things happen. You, if you want to be successful in college athletics, you need to be able to kill a sacred deer or two. Right? I always go back to Lincoln Riley firing Bob Stoops, his mentor, his protege, his own fired Bob Stoops' brother halfway through a season because they almost lost a Red River. Right. They won, but they almost lost, and Lincoln Riley said, you got to go. We, I, I've always been of the opinion, and I know you guys know us, that we are above just promoting someone from within. And just because it worked 30 years ago, with Tom Izzo doesn't mean it's going to work again with Brad, with Brad Stevens, Dwayne Stevens. Um, game is completely different. It's just a completely different game now. We are in danger of going back to what we were at the end of the Judd era and the early Izzo era. If, if MSU goofs this up, we are, um, we need to be, we need to go when Tom, when Tom actually legit says, I'm going to retire, we need to go. Okay. You can have a say in who we hire, but we're not going to let you name the successor. 
Like, I just think that's fair. And I don't think Tom Izzo would really throw a fit or, you know, pull Logan Roy or anything and tell them to fuck off. Like, I think he would, he would be fired up about it, but he would like in the end go, yeah, I, I understand. Um, Cause we need to go talk to Nate Oates. We need to go talk to Drew Valentine. We need to go talk to whoever we can get. Cause Michigan state is, in my opinion, a blue blood or at least a blue blood light, you know, low, low calorie diet. Um, and we deserve more than just automatically going to the person next to time. Is it going, you're it. Yeah. As fans, we deserve yep. more and that's arrogance, but I don't care. We've earned that arrogance. That's to quote Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. I agree. Um, do we want to do we want to talk the big game? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Four days away. Um, Rams Bengals. At the moment, the Rams are a four and a half point favorite. Sounds about right. Huh? That's that's a pretty good line. Yeah, it it's 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 about dead on. Um, and I'm just I'm anxious about this game. I'm nervous, um, but. I'm confident at the same time. I'm not thinking about how I was in 2019 when I'm just sitting there going, oh, this is a wrap. We're going to win this game. Tom Brady's going down. We crushed the Saints, who I think we're good. We're going to win the Super Bowl if the Rams didn't. We didn't crush them, but we kind of crushed their spirits. And uh, we, uh, you know, I I just sat there that those two weeks thinking, this is a wrap. We're going to win. We have Dominic Sue. We have Aaron Donald. Um, we can overcome Jared Goff a little bit and uh, didn't go great. So I'm, I'm way more um, reserved than I was three years ago. And I think I, this is a better team, I think, than, the, than those Patriots. And I, I might be wrong. I mean, I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but like, I have a feeling this is going to be an incredibly close game because I, I keep going back to Joe Burrow being sacked nine times and they still won the game. So, like, Aaron Donald could sack – Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Greg Gaines could sack could sack Joe Biller, Joe Biller, Joe Burrow nine times, and he could still win this game for them. And what really sucks is I like this Bengals team a lot, and I've been kind of a fan of, like, a Bengals kind of supporter behind the shadows for years. And, like, I just like Joe Burrow so much, and Jamar Chase is, is awesome. Um you know, I'm not going to be this bitter Betty if they lose the game. I'm going to be bummed out, but, like, I'm not going to be as bitter as I would be if we lost to fucking Jackson Mahomes. Like, if he's doing TikToks during the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes throws for five touchdowns, then I'd be upset. But, like, um, I'll just get my prediction out of the way. I Like I, I said with Bobby, um, I think the Rams are going to win 28-27. I think it's going to be – it's going to be a game that I think is going to start slow. Like these, these teams are going to feel each other out. And I think the Bengals are going to have the lead with not much time left. And we're going to have a comeback, um, a comeback drive for the ages. And, you know, I, I know people are, are some of the Lions fans here are like Dan flashes, you know, like they're waiting for, they're waiting for the Stafford meltdown and it could, <laughs> The lion, the lion's fan in question is is moi. 
it's 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 me. I'm the Lions fan. Um, yeah, they're like we're all trying to find the guy who did this. They're they're waiting for that Stafford pick six or like that interception to lose the game and just going like like Dan flashes in the store. Um, but I I think that the biggest keys to the game are going to be Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase and if they have to adjust because I could see if it's going pretty well they could stick Ramsey on him the entire game but if T Higgins is having a having a hell of a night to offset it I could see them switching Ramsey out because Ramsey really doesn't do a ton of one-on-one with guys Uh, he did it to Mike Evans in the Tampa Bay game but that was kind of easy because a lot of the receivers were banged up so like sure you could put him on Scotty Miller but that's kind of a no offense to Scotty Miller it's just a waste of Jalen Ramsey's talents um and obviously the other key is I think the running game for the Rams if the running game can can get it going then then it might be a long night for Cincinnati but I mean I'd I think if if one team were to block the other, it's the Rams blowing out the Bengals. But I don't see it happening. I think this is going to be down to the wire. Like I said, Rams Rams win by one. Bengals cover. Rams win. That's that's my official prediction for Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think I got. Sorry, Carter. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say my quick piece, and then you can go. Oh, no. um, I I basically I basically covered all that I wanted to say with with Bobby, so I won't. I won't repeat myself here. Um, I just, you know, like I have complicated feelings, right, with Matthew Stafford, obviously. Um, You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're, it's kind of like when your ex-girlfriend won't ever do anal and then you guys break up and then she gets with a new guy and they're just like, they're just going in the back door all the time you're like, what the fuck? Like, what was wrong with me that you couldn't do that? (laughs) You know? Uh, I don't think I know. Again, again, (laughs) again, I think, I think Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow are kind of spiritual companions. Yeah. um, In a way, in, in the fact that Burrow was able to kind of get Cincinnati here and Stafford was never able to get get Detroit here should uh, kind of leaves me a little bitter. Um, I get that. Maybe, maybe rightfully so. Maybe unrightfully so. But, um, you know, I just viewed their situations as too similar to kind of separate the two. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what it, you know, just kind of what it is at this point. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to come down to, it's definitely going to come down to the trenches. Um, I think the, I think ultimately, I think ultimately the the Rams pass rush is just going to be too much. I mean, to have Aaron Donald and Von Miller and some of the other guys on on Los on Los Angeles line, they do set Ramsey loose on blitzes too. Yeah, I mean, bringing Ram- Ramsey hits fucking hard. I mean, if you've seen <laughs> Jackass Forever, you've seen how hard he hits. Wait, Jalen Ramsey's in it? Yeah, he's in the old. Did you see it? No. Oh, oh yeah. Shoot. No, yeah, it's okay. You don't just that's not, I don't call that a spoiler. It's fucking jackass, but like right. Quick jackass review. Uh hashtag movie wire. Uh if you liked if you like jackass, you're gonna fucking love this movie. If you didn't like jackass, I'd maybe stay away. Well um sign me up. Yeah. 
Wait, Carter, I, do, you, do you like Jackass or do you not? Like I do. Him? No, oh, I yeah. do. I've seen yes. all of them. I love them. Yeah, fucking the MVP of this movie is 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 Aaron. I've Aaron, heard that. I've heard Aaron, Aaron takes Aaron's so much takes so much punishment. He's probably the best in shape, and because you know Johnny Knoxville has like brain damage, and Steve O has been through so much shit. They're probably like, who here has the least amount of hospital bills? Okay, Aaron, you're yeah. up. Do you know that he's been over the over his years with Jackass between the show and the movies? He's been punched in the ball so many times. Doctors, <laughs> doctors told him you're never going to be able to have kids. You're never going to be able to have your own. Like you're never going to be able to get someone pregnant. And he had a baby last year. No way. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> Fucking medical miracle. <laughs> so, so what were you saying about the Super Bowl, like the, the trenches and all that? No, it's going to come down to the trenches. Um, you know, I think ultimately the Rams' pass rush is going to be too much for it's going to be too much for Cincinnati, and I think the Rams are kind of. Um, I don't think they're going to win. Like I don't think they're going to win comfortably. Like no, the game's over in the fourth quarter. But I think it's. I think the Rams are never going to. I don't think the game's ever going to feel like it's out of the Rams' control. Hmm. What you got, Carter? I love all the storylines of this Super Bowl. They're usually are pretty good ones, but I mean, this one is you know Matthew Stafford in his first season away from the Lions gets the Rams to the Super Bowl against uh, a, a team that no one ever thought was going to make a Super Bowl. You know, much less win a playoff game. You know, much less reach the Super Bowl with the quarterback they drafted literally two years ago, who just came off of a horrific knee injury. You know, they add Jamar Chase instead of an offensive lineman. They catch a lot of flack for it. It ends up working. There's there's so many great things. Uh, Ramsey versus Chase, maybe even Higgins. I mean, that's the thing about the Bengals, man. Is, you know, if, 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 if Ramsey locks up Chase, which is entirely possible, uh, T. Higgins is open. If T. Higgins isn't working, Tyler Boyd is there. You know, Burrow has so many weapons to, to right. choose from. It's, it's a wealth of resources. And, I mean, I thought Zach Taylor was going to get fired this year I thought they'd win maybe four or five games but they have surpassed all my expectations and everyone's expectations and the kid is just playing with so much swagger so much confidence right now it's hard not to root for him it's like you said because you're a Rams fan but it, it would suck you know to like, have to root against these like guys. I'm uh, Asa from our friends at touchlines and touchdowns I might have screwed up the oh, oh, I'm sorry Asa, if you're listening um our, our good friends our brothers our family at uh, they are family touchlines uh he he, we were talking and I'm like, Hey man, do you want me to, I didn't invite myself on. Like I just said, Hey, you should have a Rams fan on after the game win or loss. And he goes, are you willing to come on if they lose? I'm like, you know, I'll be all right. I will be. Um, unless they get boned by the refs, but then I, I'm, I'm one of the people who is a staunch. Don't let the refs decide the game for you person. Um, and I always have been, I always will be. So I'm not going to go bitching, but I said I'd come on no matter what. So it might be an interesting night. It might be a really fun night where, you know, I'm saying my brothers, my, my family have won a Super Bowl, or I might be going, Hey, I'm really happy for Joe Burrow and those guys. Cause yeah, they're just so likable. And it sucks that, that they, that they have to play. Cause like if it were Niners Bengals, I'm sitting here with yeah. a big Bengals fan because yeah. I can't stand the Niners. Um, yeah. Sorry, Carter, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, this Rams team has been to the Super Bowl before. 
couple of years ago. It's not exact, of course, not exactly the same team, but you know, Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, those guys, they have been there before and they want to, you know, avenge what they had the loss from last yeah. time. So Aaron Donald is going to be a man on an absolute mission. You know, I, I don't envy any of the offensive linemen he's going to have to face. Sean McVay, he's going to have to do, you know, he's going to have to make up for that rough, rough coaching he did against in the NFC championship game, which I think he will because he's a fantastic coach. And he'll he'll I realize think there was a lot of pressure on him. I think he had a lot of pressure on himself mentally to win that game. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that's just, should just be a sign from the universe that, yeah, you got to go win this game, but they're playing against a team that has been just counted out constantly and, and, now they're here. They're playing with a ridiculous level of confidence. That experience might work in the Rams' favor, I think. You know, Zach Taylor isn't the best coach. I think McVay should do a better job than him. But one thing I do want to say is I'll, I'll, make, a, I'll make a statement right now. Uh, Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Jamar Chase. I think oh. he's that. I think he's in that lineage of, of all-time great wide receivers. I mean, you can see the signs already. I think he will be. Yeah, just absolute greatness. I think he's going to have a pretty big game. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> this is so tough, man. Because like it seems like, oh yeah, the Rams will win easy. Because I said that. Oh, Titans will win easy. Oh, Chiefs will win easy. <laughs> We all said Chiefs were going to win easy. All the times I picked against, uh, all the times I picked against the Bengals, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do it again. I got Rams. I think it's gonna be something like 31 to like 25 or something like that. So, it's, I think it's gonna be a great game. I'm so happy that it's like a team that's, it's kind of, it's relatively different from like a, like a Tampa Bay and, and Kansas City type. Of, right. Type yeah. Of like if we had a rematch of last year, I would be like, I'll watch it, but I'm not gonna be like. I'll be on my phone during the game and keep a better eye on like the fucking commercials, which I, which is yeah. what my wife does. So, um, so I, I have a six leg parlay. I have a, I have a Blair parlay. I'm going to throw your guys' way. Um, okay. I have, okay. The first love, not in order. Joe Burrow over 30 and a half yards longest completion. I think that's a pretty easy lock considering if, Say Jalen Ramsey is just absolutely shutting down Jamar Chase. Like, lockdown corner. T. Higgins will probably do that. Like, he'll probably get, you know, catch a, a short pass and run it for 38, 39 yards, which would be awesome. Um, I have the same thing for Matt Stafford because I think he's going to hit Cup or, um, or OBJ for a long one. Um, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Um, Cooper Cup to score a touchdown anytime. I mean, he didn't play in the last Super Bowl. He was hurt. He had his he blew out his knee that season. So oh, that's right. he's gonna have something he wants to prove in this game. And now, like you said, the, the Rams played the Super Bowl a couple of years back, and they are a little bit of a different team. Um last time the Rams played the Bengals, and yes, the Bengals are a drastically different team. This was the year they were basically tanking for Joe Burrow. The Rams only won 24 to 10, but Cooper Cup had 220 yards on six catches. <laughs> so um, he's going to have something to prove today, you know, because, you know, there are people who are discounting his his season. And 
if he has seven more catches, he has the most receiving most receptions all time in the playoffs uh, for one postseason run. So he has a chance to cement his legacy among there as one of the greatest seasons uh, an individual player has had in NFL history. So I'm going with Cup there. Uh, T. Higgins over 69 and a half receiving yards. I think that's a lock. Um, like I said, unless unless Joe Burrows is having an off day or Jamar Chase is cooking Jalen Ramsey, then I think it's going to hit. Um, over one and a half Stafford passing touchdowns. I think one and a half is safe. If it were two, two and a half or three, I'd be a little nervous about that one. I think that's a pretty good one. And then Cooper Cup over 103 and a half receiving yards. Now that one, that's a little scary, but I think he's going to do it. I, I think he will get over that because I could see him and OBJ having a monster day against this against Eli Apple and the uh, the Bengals secondary um and then I I think they're yeah like I'm like I I just think so I think so much about that final drive the 49ers had in the NFC title game like that was that was incredible like that was Aaron Donald talking to his defense saying we gotta we're gonna win this thing we're gonna finish it and they finally Raheem Morris I I'm gonna I'm gonna eat a lot of crow if you win the Super Bowl. But Raheem Morris just dialed up the blitzes against Jimmy G saying, fuck it, we need to go. It's go time. We're going to get this. We're going to get this bitch on the ground. And, you know, they had Aaron Donald when he just got to him. I, I remember just jumping up out of the couch and going, oh, my God, this is it. And then, you know, he almost sacked him. Then he had the tipped interception to win to win the game. And, um, you know, that was, that was a pretty incredible moment. And I try not to get that much invested in the Rams games, but like, man, that was such a great feeling. And part of me is like, maybe their biggest bugaboo was beating the 49ers and, you know, they had to overcome that hump and maybe nothing's going to stop them from their title. And, you know, especially when you see Aaron Donald point to his finger that he wants that ring, it makes me think that if he has a bad day, I think it's because Zach Taylor schemed him out of the, out of the game, because I don't, I don't think that man's going to have a bad day, no matter win or lose. So that's my little rant about the game and my, uh, my Blair parlay for you guys. No, no membership fee needed. So if you cash it, uh, just remember to thank me. If you do bet 50 bucks, win 700. Wow. Yeah, it's a free bet on Caesars Sportsbook. I get, I got a free fifty dollars bet. The official sportsbook of MSU Athletics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I think we're good. Oh, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get an Obi Wan Kenobi trailer on Sunday, Sweet. if not sooner. Um, I don't know what else is coming, but I'm pretty excited to see that. Um, you know, Movie Wire, another little Movie Wire uh, tidbit. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. You know, Spartan Dog, you're going to the game. Carter, are you going to the game too or no? The Indiana game? Uh, I was not planning on it. I usually work on Saturdays. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I forgot what I'm doing. I think I have shit to do Saturday. But um, I'll try to watch it. And then, you know, we have the big game Sunday. So it's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a lot of discussion no matter what. You can catch me on uh, – touchdowns and touchlines podcast uh you might get to see you might get to hear sad lucas or you might get to hear unbearably overjoyed lucas so um looking forward to it and guys i think we're good right we're straight 
Yeah. Good to be. Okay. All right. We're out. So uh, go green. Go white. And go white. Catch me at the Pistons game tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Catch Carter at the Pistons game. You see him on TV. And uh, go Rams. All right. We have a very special guest with us to, to talk the Super Bowl. We, we found one of our, our Bengals fans, our, our friends at uh, well, we kind of met him through weird circumstances, like on a on a, on a lights camera barstool Reddit. Um, Bobby, you want to introduce yourself? Yep. What's up? I'm uh, Bobby Bobby Viaga on Twitter. Also, Barstool Gooch is the burner. <laughs> you know, uh, I knew it. Uh, of course, I'm I'm done hiding that. It's just a it's a bad bit at this point. I might have to kill him. Uh, um. <laughs> But I'm the uh, social producer on Lights, Camera, Pod, and uh, the Dozen Trivia for anybody who watches or listens to either of those. Never heard and of and you stole And you stole my job. Don't forget about that. Stole oh, your job. job, of course. Of yeah. course. <laughs> I think that's how I first started noticing Spartan Dog on the subreddit was like him doing like a Photoshop of him, of his head on some celebrity and like with, tr- with Trill, you know, the mask Trill and Jeff mm-hmm. and Ken Jack saying like, please hire me as your intern. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have one question about LCB and it's not going to be what Trill looks like. Cause I know we're never going to know that. When are they going to just make Chris the third, co- the third host? I don't know. I kind of like the, uh, the rotating thing we have going on right now, but uh, yeah, I do too. That's a Chris and, or not a Chris, but a Jeff and Ken Jack call. At the okay. end of the day. Um, yeah, Chris has got a much more focused look at movies than either <laughs> Jeff or Ken Jack. Um, very, very much uh, more serious on the serious side of things, which I think is great for some movies, but for other movies, like when you just want to shit on it, um, you just almost feel bad for putting Chris through it because you can tell he never go, he never has had to go out of his way to watch these just fucking terrible movies. <laughs> Uh, Bobby, this is my first question about the Bengals. Um, how does it feel to have uh, a good quarterback who's not weighed down by an annoying partner? Like, that's got to feel great that Joe Burrow's just out there living <laughs> I mean, the single life. You don't have to worry about, like, a girlfriend or a brother doing shit that annoys he's people. Not, he's not single. He oh. seems like the most eligible bachelor in America. I know. Like, he's just... What? peacocking all over the place but no he's he's actually been dating the same girl for i think like going on five years now uh she wow. she actually worked in cincinnati while he was at lsu got some friends who work with her yeah i know but uh if, if uh if a if a team out there did have a quarterback with an annoying girlfriend or family member or something like that i, I mean that'd be that'd be a tough situation as a fan i i don't know but thankfully, I can't think of any NFL teams that have to deal with that situation. No, I, I can't either. It was no. purely hypothetical. No, it's not ringing a bell right now. Um, so you are, yeah, it was, we, we introduced the pod. You are a Bengals fan. How, how like, have you grown up being a Bengals fan? Like, I'm not trying, I'm just curious. Like, So you brought up the, uh, before we started recording, I was asking him about the Rams. And he said he got in on the Rams at the what right before their 1999 Super Bowl? Yeah, like the 1999 2000 yeah, Titans game. Yeah, the one yard short. I was a Titans fan at that point. I would I lived in Memphis, Tennessee when they moved to Tennessee. They wow. played in Memphis for a year. Uh, um, 
which is kind of wild, but <laughs> we got to Memphis in 2000 and up to Louisville. And then finally up to Cincinnati in 2003. Okay. I was still not, I was like nine years old when I moved to Cincinnati. So John Kitten is the quarterback, but we have Rudy Johnson at running back. Jerseys were sick, had a leaping tiger on it. I just yep. immediately bought in. Unfortunately, it's been, <laughs> I mean, it's been 20 years of just kind of just pain uh, and yeah. just getting your hopes up. We've had like good teams that just fall short every single time. And by fall short, I mean, just implode in the worst ways possible in the playoffs. Um, so this is like cloud nine. You got to pinch yourself almost every single day. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. Like it, it, it sucks that the Rams are playing the Bengals. I'm not saying that cause I'm, I've been super happy for you and the other Bengals fans that like we know and follow, like I'm, and I just, part of me is like, damn it. I hate that we're playing them. Cause I w- want to root for these guys so bad. And I'm not trying to be kind of, you know, I mean, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Like, yeah, it's easier if it were the chiefs or like if the 49ers are playing the Bengals, I'm, I'm buying Bengals shit. Like I'm the biggest Bengals fan. And like, it's really hard for me to root against these guys. Like I've always kind of like, I, like I love their black and orange somehow just draw. And I think maybe it's cause I'm a Tigers fan. So I like their black and orange when they wear it. Not very often, but like, I've just kind of liked, them like I liked Marvin Lewis as much as I think he was around. I think he could probably was he around a little too long. Yeah, probably. I mean, with <laughs> Marvin Lewis, it was like his teams were all he was doing a lot of the GM duties. I still think he would have made a great front office person for us. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, he made some terrible coaching decisions there towards the end. Um, so I mean, yeah, yeah, he he had to go. It was time for some new blood in the water. I think what I like about the Bengals is that, like, yeah, Marvin was there, what, 15? Yeah, about 15, 16 years. Um, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. And I, I like that they gave him time, like, and because, you know, look at the Browns. They have done all this stuff, and the Bengals just kind of go like the, oh, oh nope, just going to squeak past you here. And they're in the Super Bowl. They're winning all these playoff games. And, like, you know, Zach Taylor, I liked him from, from like, the Rams days. But I I thought, you know, okay, if, if Zach Taylor read, like, the Browns, per se, they probably would have fired him because they're just so impatient. But, like, you give him time and look at what this is paying off. And even if they don't win this game, I think – and I think they very well could, and we'll, we'll get into it. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm so freaking nervous. And – uh. I think the future is just so bright with this, with this team. Like the core is just incredible. And I, I just am so glad that they gave Zach Taylor time to like fix this because you can't really control your quarterback blowing his knee out. And, you know, some organizations don't really care about that. And it seems like Paul Brown for as some people might not like him or whatever. It, it seems like one thing of his is patience. That's what I've always, um, always liked about him and especially with Zach Taylor having all the success it's just cool to see them leapfrog the Browns who I cannot stand I know as a you know I never really hated the Browns all that much in terms of like power ranking the teams I hated growing up like (laughs) in division it I mean the Browns are probably at the bottom okay they just weren't that annoying Hmm. they didn't get annoying until about three years ago (laughs) <laughs> and they've just been the fans have just gone overboard and overhyping every single 
every single team they've had. And it, it's like, can you get like one morsel of like success before you start hyping? Like <laughs> they're insane. They're crazy. But, you know, I think they're out on Baker now. So they'll probably, I'll probably start, you know, having a little soft spot for him again. The only, the only Browns fan I feel bad for is Jeff. <laughs> Literally. It's the only one. And there's, well, actually anybody at the office, I, I feel bad for. And there's, oh, there's, there's a couple Browns fans there. Oh, there's like 20 of them. It's insane. Really? It makes no sense. <laughs> I know Dave wants to complain about Brandon's nepotism. I think Jeff is just like somehow pulling the strings in the shadows to get a bunch of Browns people in the office. <laughs> it's insane. I'm the no. only Bengals fan and there's like 20 Browns fans. <laughs> Bobby, you were mentioning earlier about how it's been like 20 years of pain. And yeah. I'm looking back at the Lions past 20 years and like I would kick my grandmother down the stairs to like have your past 20 years like you understand that right <laughs> the, the thing that gets lost on and everyone kind of groups the bottom you know it's the bottom teams in the NFL. we all get grouped together right. it's us the lions the jaguars the i'm forgetting people now the texans cardinals, yeah cardinals texans you yeah. just kind of this is just a whole tier but the, the weird thing about the Bengals is we've mostly had winning seasons gone to the playoffs i think eight or nine times since I mean, I've been a fan and just don't win in the playoffs. So it just seems like there's nothing happening here. Right. Um, and, and it's crazy because the Jaguars have been to a conference championship game. The Cardinals yeah. have been to a Super Bowl. The Texans are constantly in the playoffs. And the Lions are like tripping over their own feet at every opportunity. It's like, yeah. I, I can't, I can't describe the feeling of like watching a game in mid-October in going, well, you probably know it, like watching a game in mid-October and going, oh, like my seat, the season's over. Like I can just check out. But like, that's every fucking year. Like that's been every year except for three. I will say you guys have one of the best losing seasons I've ever seen this year. It was like entertaining football for the most part. It's a bunch of gritty dudes. Yeah, I mean, they definitely adopted the. That's not the a losing Dan culture. No. no, not anymore. No, that's when, not a losing culture. Those guys are playing. Yeah, when fucking Patricia was there, it was a losing culture. Fucking asshole. But yeah, no, they've definitely adopted the Campbell culture of like, we're just gonna we're gonna kick the shit out of you, and you're gonna get a lot of shots in, but we're gonna we're never gonna go down. They're like Homer Simpson yeah. in that episode where he becomes a boxer. <laughs> Just gets his ass kicked and never falls over. Um, That's great. So let's talk. Let's talk this game. Like let's talk this run to the to the Super Bowl. Like you know, I I can't imagine what it was like for you. Like I was watching. You know, I I tell you to do the tweet every Sunday. The uh, <laughs> the the, NFL, the kids dancing the NFL to the Fox NFL song. Oh and, yeah, uh, that one. <laughs> Oh, that one. That's I look forward to it every football Sunday. Um, like what? I mean, obviously you get the win over Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever. Oakland Raiders, I'm calling them. You know. get the win over Vegas. You know, you pick them off bait pretty close to the goal line, and you know that's a great enough feeling. But then you know you knock off the one seed Titans, and like I just I look back at that game so much. Like uh, like I I think I post a video of Randy Marsh getting the shit beat out of him in South Park and just getting up and keeps fighting this big old, the big old bat dad. And I'm like, that was Joe Burrow that day. Just 
just not giving up. And like, what, what has this run been like for, you know, for someone who hasn't, I'm not trying to, you know, just, you haven't experienced this in a very long yeah. time. Like, what has it been like? Ever. Ever, Literally yeah. Ever. Um, it's, I mean, going into the Oakland game, as much as I love and believe in Joe Burrow on this team, I was like, it's the Bengals. And as good as Joe Burrow is, like you can't just will out the history of just falling short in the playoffs. So I was like, Oakland's going to be the tough one. I don't, I don't know if we're going to win it. Didn't feel great about it, to be honest. I was just like, there's a lot, there's a lot of history. I've been wounded in this spot time and time again. So I wasn't yeah. getting too hopeful. Um, but once we got that monkey off our back, I actually felt very confident going into Tennessee. Yeah. Um, felt really good about that one and was able to kind of, you know, enjoy the game a little bit more. And then Kansas city, we were, we were on house money at that point. Right. So, I mean, I actually didn't get worried at all when we went down, what, 21 to three or not yeah. Yeah, 21 to three. I was like, don't come back. I don't know. But make it interesting. That's for well, sure. It's just so eerie that that game was pretty much going a carbon copy of the first Bengals chiefs game, right? Like the chiefs were up yep. quite a bit in that game. The Bengals just, just grinded their way back into it and ended up winning. And that was an awesome, I watched that whole game. That was awesome. But like, I, I remember when it was 21, three and I looked, I thought of the last weekend when the Rams fumble at the one yard line against Tampa Bay. And I'm like, this is Tom Brady. This is going to come back to haunt him. And it did. Um, but when, you know, they had that weird ass play at the goal line and Tyreek Hill didn't go in. I'm like, man, this is it right here. Like this, if, if, if they can score a touchdown to open the half or just play their, play their defense, like this isn't over. And, you know, I'm like, okay, if it's 28 to three, it might be over, but I'm like, I still just had this weird feeling that the Bengals were going to at least make it a game. I didn't, I didn't think they would win it, but I thought, yeah, they're, they're going to make this a close game. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they did. That was wild. I mean, I'll be honest. I was hung over for at least the next four days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it wasn't like, great. <laughs> MSU does this a lot to us too, where they go oh. down big, they go down big in a game. And then like something happens where they don't score, but they do something. And you're like, all right, like we're going to win. Like this is it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like we're winning this game. And I felt like that was kind of the mentality that they kind of had coming out of the locker room was like, okay, yeah, we're going to win. We, they didn't score. Like Eli Apple fucking stopped Tyree kill. We're, we're winning this bitch. <laughs> there we go. I mean, the guy for all of his shit talking did make the play. I mean, that was the play of the game. I yeah. think. And that's what matters. That's what, that's what you're going to remember. You know what I mean? Like that stuff, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to think about the Stafford picks that he throws, but I'm going to remember that throw he made yeah. to beat Tom Brady more than the, the horrible pick six against the Titans. Like, that's just how it goes. Um, Must so, be nice to have Stafford make clutch throws. Don't know what that's like. Uh, I can't. Cool. Must be cool. I, what a fun, sexy time for you, Lucas. <laughs> Are you guys going to go for a quarterback in this year's draft? Us? I fucking hope not. Not in the first round. There's, right. I, there's, there is not a quarterback I would touch with a first round pick. Nope. I would take Kyle Hamilton at two. And then at 32, mm. I, I think J- I think Jamison Williams might be there because of his ACL. 31 Shit. or 32. Yeah, people come back from ACLs fucking all the time now. 
Like it's nothing. I mean, look mm. at Joe Burrow. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually insane. You tear your ACL and you're back in like four months now. It's the yeah. craziest shit. ACLs, they used to end careers. And mm-hmm. now it's like a, now it's like you pulled a hamstring. Now it's like a bad hamstring pull. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and yeah, that is incredible. Like I tore my ACL like six years ago and I'm just like, it still bugs me to this day. And I went through the rehab and everything. I'm like, I can't imagine what Joe had to do going through that. Or like anyone who does that, like tearing your Achilles and all that stuff. I can't imagine all the shit you have to do just to get back on that field. And it's just incredible. Like, do you think, do you think Burrow's going to win play, comeback player of the year? So it's weird because the they do the voting before the playoffs. Oh, and that's Dak right. is, yeah. Dak has that too. Oh, statistically, Dak, Dak probably, I mean, very comparable seasons. I think yeah. he had more passing yards. Um, so with that national brand, you, I don't know. It'll be it'll be close between him and Dak. Um, yeah, you won't see many that. other Bengals getting in the mix on those awards, though. <laughs> like I forgot about the, the. I think it's kind of. I get the MVP is like a regular season award. Like I think like if you voted for MVP like this week, you probably Cooper Cup has a shot at winning it. Like, but Aaron Rodgers yeah. is yeah. going to win it. I think it's a lot. Yeah. Rogers gonna win it going away, which yeah. is so I forgot about comical. Dak, but I, I think Joe should get it. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I agree, obviously. Bright Bart Star is just gonna run away with the MVP. It's <laughs> who is Bright Bart Star. Bart Star? No, Bright, Bright Bart Star. Bright Bart Star. Throw Never. Rogan. Throw Rogan. Hugh Aaron Rogers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All those guys. So what do you think is gonna happen on Sunday? Like what? What do you see? Like, what are some key things that you're that like that you're looking at when you when you I don't know how much you analyze this game, but like I've been thinking about more and more the closer we're getting to game day. So like I I have some thoughts, but I want to get what you thought first for sure. Yeah, I think uh when you kind of look at it from like hundred yards out, it looks one way, and that's gonna be like an offensive showdown. I think that's what the media has kind of been pushing i don't know i haven't watched too many shows but that always feels like what people are talking about when they talk rams and Bengals is their offense which is understandable they got stars obviously right i think the game does go into a more defensive direction i think the Bengals stay very conservative it's what's gotten them this far is just don't turn the ball over take your field goals get your points where you can get them don't do anything crazy um the rams i mean Used to be a running team. I don't know. They, they, used they to be are McVay's getting back of, there. They are getting what? back there. Yeah, that was like McVay's thing when he first got there. Was he was going to build everything off the running game, which they've gotten away from. But I think they go back towards that in the Super Bowl. They'll still take their shots because it's in their nature. Right. Just with who they have on offense, they're going to want to take their shots. Yeah. For the Bengals to win, they're we're going to have to pick off Stafford. I mean, once or twice, so we're going to need a fumble in a key spot. We're going to have to win the turnover battle. I think if you pick off Stafford twice, you're probably winning the game. Um, yeah. He, he can unless, get away with one. Burrow's, unless Burrow's trying to outduel him there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless it's like pick for pick, you know, like a turnover yeah. fest like that. I think that Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, I know it was a high scoring one, but like I remember those teams just could not, I, I could be wrong, but I swear to God they were turning the ball over so much. They both threw it like well over 40 times, right? 
Yeah, there was like a nine nine hundred total yards of passing, I think. Um, yeah, I'm so glad that I'm so glad the Lions got the Patriots defensive coordinator. That was great. Um, <laughs> so great. Um, what do you think is gonna happen, Spart Dog? I want your so or like what do you keys or whatever. So I think the key is going to – I think it's going to come down to the trenches. Um, what I have. You know, I don't know if the Bengals um, have ever faced – have faced anyone like Aaron Donald this season. No. So, like, <laughs> no, Aaron no Donald's – Yeah, Aaron Donald's like the most – Aaron Donald's like a like one of the biggest freaks in the NFL. Uh, so, I there hasn't been a guy like him since Lawrence Taylor, I, I think. So – you know, you're going to have to game plan not only for him, but for Von Miller, who, you know, is older and maybe isn't as productive as his, as his first Super Bowl with the Broncos, but he can still cause some havoc if you leave him unchecked. And then, you know, that leaves open the other NFL caliber defensive tackles who are going to, who are going to be in the game and make Burrow's life a living hell. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how, how Taylor is going to try to set up the run game when, but, you know, he has an offensive line that has been suspect. Um, you know, Bobby, I want to get your thoughts on the meme of, like, Joe Burrow getting sacked <laughs> while trying to throw to Jamar Chase versus Joe Burrow being thrown oh. to anyone with Panay Sewell blocking him. Blocking I love I love that that meme blew up in everybody's face. It's I aged it. so poorly. <laughs> it was like a civil war leading up to the draft in the Bengals fan base because you had half the people on one side doing – Probably more than half. One of Penny Sewell. People who watch college football are like, Jamar Chase is the best receiver I've ever seen. Um, I mean, he made Justin Jefferson a number two as a rookie. I mean, <laughs> like, the kid is a baller. It's so incredible. Like, and if Joe's pounding the table for him, you, you take Jamar. Um, but that mean blowing up in everybody's face. Oh. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. And then it getting remixed over and over again. <laughs> Just like people will be like anybody else blocking Jamar Chase catching the ball over like three people. <laughs> this will work. I I think I agree with Sparta. I think the trenches are going to be the key, the biggest key. If the Bengals O-line can hold up and like Joe Burrow can there, I don't think they're gonna sack. I mean, the Titans sacked nine times. I don't think that's gonna happen again. But like if if Aaron Donald and Von Miller get to him early and often, I think it's gonna be tough. But I don't think this is a blowout no matter what. Um, like, especially after seeing what Joe did after being sacked nine times. I still – it's in my head for some reason. It just stuck in my head. Like, I'm, I'm terrified of that. And I, I think the other big battle is going to be Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase. Yeah. That's going to be I'm, very interesting. I'm interested to see what they do there. If the Rams – because they have basically two options on that front. They go double Jamar – and put Jalen on T Higgins, which, yeah, that's what I have in my notes. Yeah. Jalen's a bigger corner. I mean, and Taylor, T Higgins is massive. So as far as Jalen would be, the guy would be the right, right guy. Jalen Ramsey's one of the best corners in the NFL. So why not put him on Jamar and then free up the rest of the defense? I think, I think they're going to start with Ramsey versus Jamar, but I mean, I've been wrong. I'm sure I'm going to be wrong. Watch they go to they double team Jamar and let T Higgins get covered by Jalen. But I think they're going to try it because I I think this could be one where like Jamar does have some awesome catches and probably scores a touchdown. But like 
you know, Jalen Ramsey does put up a fight with him because I don't think you're going to, they're not, he's not going to do what he does to DK Metcalf every time against Jamar Chase. And if he does, then I'm going to be blown away. But like, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Raheem Morris, who I've been pretty critical of, and it's blown up in my face every time. It's going to be interesting to see what he, what he cooks up against, against his defensive coordinator. Profits. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Former Bucks head coach and all that. Yeah. He's the defensive coordinator. That's funny. Every everyone in Cincinnati has been calling for Lou Anarumu's head for the last three years. It's our D coordinator. Well, like, guys, ah, he's, he's too complicated and wishy washy with his defense. Like, he likes to change it around a lot, like week to week. Okay. And you know, now we get into the playoffs and it's worked every single time. We've changed our defense every week. See, now, now everyone loves him. It's like everyone yeah, just like, loves everyone just loves calling for the heads of defensive coordinators. I've been. Yeah, it's I'm it's like, always. I'm staking the flag on like wanting Michigan State's defensive coordinator fired because I just don't believe in him. <laughs> I've it's been never doing... that the players are bad. It's never the players' fault. Well, the players, the players in in his defense, the players have been the secondary was the secondary players were bad this year. We were the worst rated pass defense in America. But still, <laughs> you still you compensate for that by doing other stuff, and he just never did it. So I think what. What the Bengals now? This is just me, just think looking at what teams have done to beat the Rams. If you're going to blitz Matt Stafford, it's I don't think it's going to go well. Like he thrives when it blitzes, and if the Bengals like rush three and just drop back and like cover with eight, you know, play man or just play zone, Stafford's going to have a tough time with it. Um, he's he's in the bottom third of the NFL when teams drop back. And obviously, you know, it makes it a little tougher because you're not under pressure and you just kind of have to figure it out more. But if if Cincinnati does that, then it's going to be interesting to see if Sean McVay really did learn from the last Super Bowl and will, like, figure it out as opposed to Bill Belichick just dragging his nuts all over him the entire night. Like, it's... Happened to a lot of coaches. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's happened to, me, <laughs> happened to me twice. You know, our other co-hosts happened as Falcons and all that, like, quite possibly the worst one, but like, I think that's, I, this game is going to be so good. And I really hope it is like, obviously we both want our teams to win. So that's just a no shit Sherlock, but like, I, I think it's going to be an epic game and I'm, I think the Rams are going to win. And I know you think the Bengals are going to win, but I think the, I think the Bengals are going to be up 27, 21 late in the game. And they're going to pull something out, and they're going to the Rams are going to win by by one point. I'm going 28 27. That's my prediction. That would be amazing, honestly. What was the last time we had a like a really close Super Bowl? Was it literally Eagles or the Chiefs Niners game? Wasn't I mean it was Chiefs Niners Super Bowl was pretty close. I, I didn't like that Super Bowl. That was ugly. Uh, I honestly, honestly, I'm sick of I'm sick of Lions fans dick riding Stafford. So <laughs> I'm just kind of hoping for a Stafford meltdown. Both really? The, what, both for, oh, what's buddy. The, sorry. What's the split within the Lions fan base of like people who support people who don't? So I I think I'm very much in the minority like, here. I, I recognize oh. this. It's probably like 70 30. Um, but I just. The sentiment around Matthew Stafford uh, in Detroit, like his whole time here, 
was like he can't win big games. And that was true. His butthole clenched against any team with a pulse his entire time in Detroit. Literally, anyone came in with a winning, winning record, he was, he was throwing up a duck. It, it was ridiculous. And now he goes to L.A. and people act like the Ford family has just kneecapped him for his entire time there. Instead of recognizing the fact that he had like one of the most, one of the most physically imposing and gifted receivers since Jerry Rice is his number one option for seven years. And like some pretty good defenses there in like 2013, 2014, 2015, that just got wasted because for one reason or another. So like, like, I honestly think that Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford are kind of like spiritual, have like this spiritual connection. They were quarterbacks from the SEC taken first overall to a team where, you know, people, people are kind of weary of the ownership. Oh, that you, you get the, the preseason. Should they, should they refuse to play for X team? Right. I love that storyline. Yeah, exactly. The kind of, you know, you get that kind of mentality of like, okay, like this guy's going to be the franchise savior. Um, if the franchise just gets out of his own way and where Burrow was able to kind of like get past some of the stuff that could have held him back, like the old line, um, you know, things like that. Stafford just never, Stafford just never got over it. And like all these people who are like now like going crazy for him and the Rams would be the same people would be the same people blaming him for a loss three years ago. So I, I just think it's fake. Um, and I would just think a Stafford meltdown would be funny for the pod for the next podcast we do after the Super Bowl. And oh no it would I... <coughs> and it would kind of and it would just kind of like shut everyone the fuck up because they we did this with Justin Verlander when he went to Houston. And like it's just it's just annoying that Detroit as a fan base thinks like being a good fan is like rooting for players after they leave. Yeah, it's not college. No, it's not. No, like I root for not college. Yeah, I root for Kirk Cousins because because he went to Michigan State, right? I don't root for I don't root for Kirk Cousins because he played for the Lions. I, I don't give a fuck about what anyone does after they leave the lines. I don't. So it's like a loser mentality of like, we don't have nice things. So we have to appreciate other people who like get out and do nice things. It's the, we're basically treating ourselves like we're fucking Johnny drama. Like we're the Johnny drama of fan bases. <laughs> when people do that shit. Good. Yeah. As long as the little pros doing good, we're going to continue to eat. It's fucking pathetic. No, I, I remember earlier in the season when Cardinals were like 9-0, and and I was like, fucking A.J. Green. <laughs> this motherfucker doesn't play for two years, leaves and goes and gets a ring. I'm going to throw myself off Paul Brown Stadium. Well. <laughs> and if Andy Dahl never has, ever wins a playoff game. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you have to worry about that, man. Right. Stafford won that playoff game and everyone was happy. You should be fucking pissed. Everyone should have been so fucking pissed that he that he couldn't have done it while he was in Detroit. Exactly. Even though he had teams that could do it. So I just hate, I don't hate, 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 hate. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. I'm definitely I'm definitely up for the player haters ball next year. Yeah, I, you you want a Lucas meltdown, don't you? Well, that yeah, and I also want a Lucas. I'm I'm not gonna melt down. I don't think I am. Like if they were playing the Chiefs, because they can't stand Jackson Mahomes. Like he, I could just see the Rams losing them and him doing like a TikTok, like right in front of their loot, the sideline, like while they're all like upset and everything. But like I like this Bengals team way too much, and like there's just so many likable components of them that it's gonna be hard. Am I going to be upset? Absolutely. Like I will be, but like, I'm not going to have a meltdown that I would like, unless they blow, unless it's like 28 to three Rams and they blow and they blow it to the Bengals. Then I would have a, that would be terrible. Either I would way. have a drill. I would have a drill. Uh, I'm not mad. Definitely not mad moment. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for the game. Like I'm just excited. Like Super Bowl Sunday is incredible. And like, I, I'm trying to keep myself guarded because I remember in 2019 when they they beat the Saints. Um, I Aaron Square, of course. Hey, Drew Brees threw a pick in overtime. Hey, not not my fault. They won the coin toss and they lost. Um, so it makes me think of 2019 when I thought going that game, it's over. Patriots are going to lose. Rams are the better team. They will win this game. And uh, boy, was I! Yeah, that was that was the worst Super Bowl I think of our life. Absolutely, I definitely when when Jared Goff threw that pick when they were driving down to tie the game at ten. I definitely did not throw the remote. Tie the game at ten, huh? Tie the game at ten. I forgot how dog shit that game was. It ten to three is the final score. (laughs) Yeah, it's thirteen to three, and I remember when he when he threw that pick. I definitely did not throw the remote and storm upstairs and say good night. I'm going to bed. Definitely did. Not, definitely did not do that. Was that the year? Was that the year Timberlake did the halftime show too? That was, was that Scott? No. Oh, so that was, no. That was Maroon Five, and they brought in Travis Scott because they did the Astro World. They did that. Yeah, SpongeBob. They did the Astro yeah. World meme yeah. with the SpongeBob band. Yeah. Literally, I think that was the only good part of the whole game. <laughs> yeah like they picked off Brady to start and I'm like oh here we go baby and then just a big old turd on the field like just nothing like that was just horrific and I had Patriots fans at work at a deal with I'm like hey great game last time I was like I had they were too nice to me to say mean shit um so we got about three minutes left because I'm like I said I'm cheap I don't pay for zoom um <laughs> So, do you have any thoughts you you want to say going to the game? Like anything that's on your mind, even if it's not. I, I will be heartbroken if we lose. I, I know it's like right. Feel lucky to be here, but boy, getting to a Super Bowl just feels impossible. Right, it feels impossible, especially with the AFC the way it's set up right now with all the young quarterbacks. It's like <laughs> you think you're gonna get back, you think you're gonna go to a bunch more after this, but. It feels like a big ass. So getting here is one thing, but I think you got to capitalize at this point, especially as a franchise that's never done it. Um, I think both teams have to capitalize. Like Cincinnati, obviously, because the AFC is going to eat itself alive for the next 10 years. And then the Rams, yeah, LA, half the half, 60% of that crowd was 49ers fans two weeks ago. And if you can get a championship in your fifth, sixth season in LA, 
Like you can start to get a fan base there, not just rely on random ass people from Michigan like me. So they're obviously going to still be very low on the totem pole. They're not going to jump the Lakers or the Dodgers or even, you know, maybe the Kings, but like, you know, I just, it, it, it's a moment to capitalize for both teams. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to be bummed if, if the Rams lose, but like, I'm not going to be like melting down over anything just because, you know, I've seen them lose two Super Bowls, so it's nothing new to me. <laughs> Lucky you. No, we're, we're going to break out uh, Fiona. Win or lose. I don't know if you're familiar with that hippo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coming out of the zoo. Oh, yeah. Win or lose, we're getting that hippo out. <laughs> uh, Sparno, do you have anything else to say before we cut it out? Uh, I'm, I'm most excited for the Kenobi trailer. Are we getting one? I don't know. Probably. I, I, I would guess so. I'd be shocked if we didn't. Now, this is going to be a, a bad opinion. Well, I'm a sucker for anything Jurassic Park, so I'm excited to see that trailer. And the movie's probably oh, going to yeah. be bad, Dude, but I am excited for you it. You don't think dinosaurs dinosaurs are just the coolest fucking things ever? Like, Yeah. What are you doing? They're just – they always play. I, I watch the shit out of it. They could put out 10 more Jurassic Parks in the next 10 years, and I will be excited for that. What Jurassic Park 15? I will be at the at the ticket booth day one. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got to cut out of here. Bobby, thank you for joining us, my friend. It was great to have you on. Thank you, sir. See you, fellas.